Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with Meg Hirschberg. Meg is the co-founder of the Anti-Cancer Lifestyle Program, or ACLP, which offers free evidence-based tools, tips, and information about lifestyle behaviors that have been shown to reduce the risk of cancer, cancer recurrence, and chronic illness. She is president of the Anti-Cancer Lifestyle Foundation, a nonprofit which owns and manages the ACLP. For most of her career, Meg was a freelance writer whose work appeared in the Boston Globe magazine, Yankee, and New Hampshire magazine, among other publications. For six years, she wrote a regular column for Inc. magazine called Balancing Acts, which explored work-life balance and the intersection of family and business in an entrepreneurial setting. In addition to running ACLP, Meg serves as the director of the Environmental Working Group, EWG.org. She is married to Gary Hirschberg, chairman and co-founder of Stonyfield Yogurt. Meg and Gary have three adult children and one beautiful granddaughter. I look forward to sharing my conversation with Meg, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website, at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, Meg. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. Well, my pleasure. And you know, first I would just love to hear a little bit about your background, your story, how you started the anti-cancer lifestyle program. Well, let's see, how do I summarize about two decades in, in two sentences? <laughs> uh, I'll give it a try. Um, so I was kind of, you know, going about my merry way in life, as so many of us do. You know, I was raising a family, I had three little kids, eight, 10, and 12, and busy mom and working part-time and everything. And then uh, suddenly I got, you know, slapped upside the head with this breast cancer diagnosis. Uh, and then I, you know, in that sort of stupefied way that we all feel when we get a cancer diagnosis, um, I went about my treatment, uh, which was sort of the usual, you know, what they, they used to call a killing cure of surgery, chemo and radiation. And uh, and then they said, well, you have a very good chance of never seeing this disease again. I thought, great. And then seven years later, I sort of passed that five-year exhale point. And two years after that, or seven years after the original diagnosis, I did have a recurrence of disease in my bone, 
which was radiated. And I was very fortunate about that. That was very, you know, taken care of at the time. Um, but that was when I realized, oh my God, this thing is metastatic. Like this thing could kill me. I, I better figure out what I can do to help myself before that. Initially, I was just kind of relying on the doctors and the conventional treatment. And so then when I had my recurrence, uh, I, I have a wonderful or had a wonderful oncologist. He, he uh, moved to a different institution, but I asked him at the time, I said, listen, what can I do to help myself? I mean, there must be some way I can participate in this thing, you know, of like staying alive and being well. And he, as I've learned since very typically of basically every oncologist I've ever heard of, I'm sure there are exceptions, but basically he said something to me like, you know, just go home, keep your stress level down, go back to your life as normal. And, uh, and I'll see you in six months for your scan. And I was so disoriented by that. I just thought, well, you know, I felt so all the things you can imagine and that most cancer survivors have felt. I felt disempowered. I felt victimized. I felt so shaky because uh, I wasn't being protected, so-called, by the treatments anymore. And it's just like, well, do I am I just waiting now? I mean, what's my status? I can't do anything. I can so relate to what you're saying yeah. because I went through the exact same thing and it yeah. was almost scarier after treatment was over right. because it's like, oh my God, no one's doing anything now. Exactly. This is up to me. What do I do now? What do I do now? And it's interesting you say that because we do have a website, a very brand spanking new website uh, that that is exactly what is in what they call the hero banner right at the top is what do I do now? Because that's the question, right? And so I was very fortunate at that time. I met someone named Dr. David Servan Schreiber. Uh, it's it just a massive set of coincidences that can happen in life. And he had just written this book called Anti-Cancer, A New Way of Life. Uh, and David himself was a cancer survivor. He had um, done, after he got his diagnosis, a ton of research. He's a physician and neuroscientist, so very well kind of versed in medicalese and scientific literature. And he did, uh, uh, he did spend about a year researching the ways that lifestyle or behaviors that we do every single day and things that we, the ways that we choose to live can in fact influence our risk of disease. And I emphasize the word risk because there are no guarantees, right? This is all about risk reduction. You can do everything that he recommends in the book and that we recommend in our course and still get cancer. Or, you know, on the other hand, you can smoke for 50 years, drink a pint a day, never move off the seat or the couch and never get cancer, right? So <laughs> right. it's important to really emphasize that this is not a cure. This is not, we don't, we're not, saying this is the be all end all cure all we're just saying this these lifestyle behaviors have been shown very clearly and without question to reduce the doubt uh, sorry reduce the risk of getting cancer or cancer recurrence and so with that when i read the book it was so powerful for me and i went to our local cancer center and so I bought them all copies of the book and I, I said, hey, how about if we create a course to help people make these lifestyle changes? And that was really the genesis of, uh, they said yes, remarkably, because they were- they Yes, were that's very, amazing. Yeah, they were impressed with the evidence presented in the book. 
And I said that I would, you know, contribute toward funding this course because I, you know, lifestyle change is tough and it's hard to read a book and then suddenly make changes in your life. So, you know, the idea of having the support and ideas and and just basically the resources that those around you can give you, you know, as a group, uh, just felt like something that would be very important when you're talking about lifestyle change. And so the course was created. We created the course with um, experts from the hospital and the community in the areas of diet, fitness, mindset, and environment. By environment, we mean personal environment, the, the things you put on your skin or, or you know, deodorants or the things you clean your house with, that sort of personal environment. Um so those were the those are the pillars of our course, so which we created with experts in New Hampshire, and the course ran for a decade. Hundreds of people went through it uh, until COVID, and but by then we put it online, and now everything, all of our resources are online. Our resources and everything is free. Uh, so our resources include the online course, uh, which we converted from the in person course uh, over a decade ago. Uh, to uh, ebooks, webinars, blogs, recipes, uh, all kinds of tip sheets and worksheets. And um, we have asked the expert sessions every month where you can just, anybody can go on and online and ask our experts anything. We just had one this week on fitness. Yeah, I follow you and I do see these ask the experts. And what you're doing is so amazing because like you said, people don't know, they don't know what to do. And that's why I'm so glad that that I'm doing this podcast and have people like you on so people can hear there's something you can do and at no cost. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. And we're just growing like mad. We have participants from 72 countries. We've served tens of thousands of people all over the world. And we're just growing, you know, like mad because people are, this is what people are looking for because there's so much snake oil, obviously uh, online. And so, you know, I don't know what you did when, you were looking for this information, but I just went online. I didn't know anything. And, you know, there's all kinds of supplements and this and this and this, that and things that people tell you to do and they all mean well. Uh, and the, you know, the supplements are, many of them are sort of of dubious value, if maybe no value at all, or maybe even contraindicated for your therapy. Um, so there's so much bad information out there. And what we're trying to do is, is, present really the best information that is published in the best and most respected scientific journals in the world possible. And that's why we have doctors and cancer centers and uh, regional Blue Cross now licenses our program because we, in, in more than a decade, we have never been challenged on our information or recommendations ever once, which I'm very, very proud of because we should a be lot of effort. <laughs> yeah, everything is really really grounded in the best evidence available. And who is this for exactly? Like, is it just for people that are going through cancer or, or their caregivers or, or who? Well, it's a great question because one of the limitations that we were acutely aware of during the in-person course is we could only, we only have the resources for people who had cancer diagnosis, but so many of their caregivers, friends, um, and then people who were interested in prevention also wanted to come and we just couldn't accommodate them. But now that everything is online, uh, it's whoever wants to take it, you know, which is wonderful. And we found uh, based on uh, the information we get uh, from just looking in the back end 
that about a quarter of the people who sign up for the course are doing it for prevention, which I am absolutely thrilled about because, you know, there's there's no health dollar better spent than the one that's never spent. So true. It's so much better to just not get sick in the first place. So um, I love seeing all these people getting interested in prevention. And these days with so much cancer and the growth of uh, the really tremendous, sad, tremendously sad and tremendous growth of cancers in people under 50 that we're seeing, and this has now been documented recently, uh, many, many more people are waking up to the need for prevention. Yes. And what would you say your mission is? Our mission is really, uh, you know, twofold. I would say one is to be there for people who are asking that question, what do I do now? You know, to fill that post-treatment gap that most of us, virtually all of us feel. Uh, and, and it's not just post-treatment. A lot of people want to get started during treatment, though many people are fatigued and distracted and don't feel like it's something they can take on while they're getting treatment. Um, but in any case, people with a cancer diagnosis, we really want to be there for them. But we also want to be there for people interested in prevention. And again, for both groups to provide the best evidence that we can, best evidence-based information, tools, tips, resources, um, to help them live a healthier life. What are some, you mentioned the modules, but maybe you can go over some of them, like what what it entails. I know it might take too long to go over all of them, but if you could just summarize, that would be so helpful. Sure. Like the diet module, we, you know, we have, uh, we cover basically everything you'd want to know about an anti-inflammatory diet because so much of our program is really geared toward reducing inflammation and boosting your immune system to help you stay well and fight disease. And by the way, by disease, these, these recommendations we make are really beneficial to to decrease odds of any chronic illness that's not contagious. I mean, things like, you know, obviously cardiovascular disease, type two diabetes. These are, but those two and cancer are three of the, you know, most concerning health problems and uh, cardiovascular disease and cancer being the two biggest killers in the United States. So, and elsewhere in the world, I should just say the U.S. really everywhere and, and especially in Western societies. So, we're really um, trying to teach about anti-inflammatory eating and, and what that really means. And I, I, it's too much to go into now, though I'd love to talk about it, but that's really the thrust of that. Um, the fitness module, we we want people to understand that you don't, to exercise and to get to be fit, you don't need to go to the gym. It's really about incorporating movement anywhere and everywhere you can in your life and making a plan. And we explain why this is all important and how do you make that plan and everything kind of around that to really make sure you, obviously there's so many reasons to uh, to keep up your strength and your cardiovascular um, fitness, uh, all of this stretching movement, it all affects sleep and circulation and the lymph system. And, you know, there's so many things that are involved in fitness. It's not just going to the gym and pumping iron, right? So we, we talk a lot about that and how to do that. How do we, overall, we really just try to make things feel very achievable for people because they just might think, ah, oh, I can't do that. I don't have time and that sort of thing. Or I can't, I, I really 
I can't cook. I can't, you know, I don't have time for this, that, and the other, you know, and we're trying to make it feel like, yes, you can. And here's how, right. Make it feel it's doable. And then the mindset piece is also really, really important uh, to us. Uh, It's kind of foundational to learning to manage your stress. And so we teach a lot about, about that, about how to do that. And again, it doesn't mean you have to go to a you have to start meditating or going to a yoga class, but we just, again, try to make it feel like something you can incorporate, even if you're sitting at a stoplight in your car, you know, to, t- to take that moment to just pause, take a deep breath, um, just little sort of tricks that you can do throughout your day to really reduce your, your level of stress. And because that is that stress you know, especially chronic stress, you start getting, it really has health implications in terms of your stress hormones and other things in your body. There's no doubt about it. And I was just going to say, I mean, all the people I've worked with had or have a stress component. It's, I mean, I know I was completely stressed out when I was diagnosed prior to diagnosis. So yeah, no, exactly. And so we get so many questions, especially during our Ask the Expert sessions with our mindset expert, like, did stress cause my cancer? You know, because everyone's walking around with stress these days, right? And so, and a lot of people kind of blame themselves. Oh my God, it's because, you know, and that's something else that we really emphasize is this is the num- one of the number one kind of uh, troughs or pits that cancer people with a cancer diagnosis fall into is, what did I do? Like, how did I get this? What, what, you know, they look back and they try to figure out, I did the same thing. Me too. I, I, I remember going through it, right? You probably did too, right? And, and so what we want to say to everybody is in virtually all cases, there are cases when we know what caused a cancer, when it's really clear, right? Like if you've been chronically exposed to asbestos and you get mesothelioma, we can pretty much draw a straight arrow line between the exposure and the cancer. But that is rare. We rarely know cancer is very complex and many things have to happen to cause tumors to form. And we can never look back and say, oh, it's because of this. And in a way, it's not relevant, you know? So we, we really emphasize that you need to look forward. You need to think, okay, what do I do now? That question that, that you and I uh, that you and I discussed earlier. And finally, anyway, just to we could go off on this, but uh, I just wanted to mention the last uh, module, which is the environment. And we we are our anti-cancer environment module and our ebooks and our webinars are really unique out there. Uh, there's just if you go through our environment module in about two hour, two and a half hours of that module, you will know what you need to do to reduce your common toxic exposures in daily life. I mean, it's such a good investment of of time. Oh, that's so good to know because I I do, I talk about that environmental toxins and, and for people to get that information is, is so helpful. Yeah. You know, cancer, it's funny. I, I heard you say that you know, people try to f- find out what did I do and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's, I feel like there's good and bad to that because I know in my instance, I used it as wanting to change my life. Like how could I be in more harmony and balance? Um, 
you know, how can I eat better? So I think there's that fine line, like between blaming and and being empowered, right? To make changes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is an excellent point. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it certainly can be a motivator. And we're counting on that in our program that people, people are coming to us with extra motivation to really, you know, for for many of them, it's the first time in their lives they've actually stopped to think, wow, how am I living here? You know, and they do that self-examination. And that in and of itself is a great thing. So I'm so glad you pointed that out. But what we see more often than not is the self-blame. It's because I did this. If I hadn't done that, if I, you know, and I'm saying that I never would have gotten cancer, if only, if only, right? And that's the negative self-talk that I'm talking about that is so, it can be so destructive uh, and just not, not useful. But the other piece of it, as you say, is extremely useful if it provides a sort of positive motivation for moving forward in a different way, saying, okay, I'm going to take this as an opportunity. I know this sucks and I hate it and I wish it had never happened, but it did. And so now I'm going to use this opportunity to change my life. And that is a really positive approach to getting this terrible diagnosis. Exactly. And, you know, that brings me to what can cancer teach you? Because I, I believe it taught me so many things and I'm curious what it, what did cancer teach you about yourself? Well, you know, my diagnosis was 21 years ago. So I, I mean, a lot's happened, you know, uh, since then, but I, I would say that one thing that the first thing that really comes to mind is a sense of detachment in a good way from, you know, not just dissolving into panic. Because I actually had two recurrences, not just one. I had the one I mentioned and I had one a decade later. I'm fine now. I was going to ask you how you're doing. I went, you know, I've been through this so many times now of just like the freak out and then you get the scan, you're waving the scan and like all this tension. And at this point, when I go for scans, I don't feel that anymore. I mean, it's kind of washed out of me, that terror in a way. You know, I just feel like, okay, whatever it is, it is, and I'll deal with it. Um, what you know, I I can't control it. Uh, I'm doing the best I can, right? So I have that kind of reassurance that I'm living the healthiest life that I'm able to, you know, within my means and my the con- constrictions of my life. Um, I'm doing the best I can. That's all I can do. And whatever happens, I'll deal with it. And I, that was not my mindset for the first, I would say, 10 years, you know, it kind of took time to get there. And that's what I mean by that sense of detachment is I'm, I, I feel a kind of equilibrium now uh, that I never, that I didn't feel in the beginning at all. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series 
where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. So the third recurrence, how many years later was that? from your second one. Yeah, so I had the initial diagnosis and then two I've had two recurrences since then. Um so the the second one was 10 years after the first recurrence. So a full 17 years after my initial diagnosis. Uh and then you know that was treated and I'm fine today. So I'm I'm extremely lucky. Um and I you know I know too much about science to attribute anything. I'm an N of one, you know, so I'm not, I would never hold myself up as an example of the benefits of living an anti-inflammatory life. That said, I believe it's probably had an influence, you know, that the way I eat, the fact that I try to, you know, get some movement every day if I can, I try to deal with my stress. I'm very careful about the products that I buy and the things I have in my home. I mean, I do what I can. You can't do everything. I mean, that's another really important thing to convey is that no one's going to do this perfectly. And you don't have to do everything tomorrow. There's not this great urgency about it. But on the other hand, it's good to get yourself educated and to try to fold in these changes over time as best that you're able and that's really what we try to convey with the information we present. So we don't want to raise the sort of temperature of just like, oh my God, I, I better throw out all my Teflon pans or I'm going to die, you know, where we don't say that at all. It's like not, you know, we don't, the last thing we need to do is increase people's stress. Exactly. Exactly. Because people want to do everything perfectly. Oh my God, I, I'm i not eating perfectly. Right. I'm not sleeping perfectly. And then they get so nervous. Right. And right. yeah, when we live in fear, it, it's, it just raises our cortisol levels. Exactly. And that in and of itself, that sort of that fear in itself is very bad <laughs> to carry around. It's very, you know, it's just, it's not, it doesn't promote well-being, I'll put it that way. And we and that's really where our focus has to be is how how you know how do I promote well-being in my life? So true. And I think relationships are such a big thing. Like I know who do I choose to be with and surround myself with? Exactly. I w- I was thinking that and I'm glad you just said it because when we used to teach the class um you know that decade we had hundreds of cancer survivors through it. And every single class that would come up, it's like somebody once called uh, someone in their life a two-legged toxin (laughs) because this person was, you know, really destructive to their well-being. And yet they were intimately connected with this person. So this happens a lot in people's lives. And we actually do talk about this. I have a sort of silent fifth module to the course I didn't mention which is the introduction and what we call the change module where we, we do talk about this. It's, it's, um, a, a psychologist uh, it, is talking through most of it and talks about things like this, like how do you deal with that if 
Because another thing that happens that's fascinating to me, it's came up again a lot in class, is that people were trying to make these lifestyle changes, right? Maybe they're trying to reduce their meat consumption. Maybe they don't want to use the laundry detergent with fragrance, right? Because we talk a lot about the chemicals and fragrance. And then, you know, their husband, say, if it's a, a woman in our course, you know, will say, hey, you know, I like eating meat every night. And or I miss the smell of the Tide detergent. You know, I associate that with the food, with the clothes being clean and I want it back. So people often run into resistance from those they live with or those, you know, that they're intimate with and friendly with. Um, and so we do talk about that in the change modules, like how do you approach that? What do you do in those situations? Oh, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right. I mean, spouses could sabotage people. Like I, I know I have a friend who says my husband always, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy and my husband always brings home potato chips and this and let's go out for dinner Yeah, and totally sabotages her. So that's really cool. That's a that's an issue for for a lot of people. It comes up all the time. So people should know who are listening to this that you're not alone and uh and and try to understand that the changes you're making do affect other people. And they may if they don't fully understand why you're doing what you're doing, they may resist. You know, it's not that they don't want you to be healthy, but they're thinking, "Gee, I, I, that's not what I want." You know, so you have to find accommodations. That's that's really the ticket is um, not try to force the other person to live the way you want to live, because that's that's going to wind up nowhere. Right. But to make accommodations so that you can live the way you want to live and they can live the way they want to live, you know, under the same roof, which isn't always easy. But there are ways to do it. And we do talk about that in the course. Yeah, that's so important. And, you know, before we get into random round, I just wanted to know, is there any last piece of advice that you would give people that are listening um, that have a diagnosis of cancer? Well, there's so much to say, <laughs> but I I would say that, you know, we often, we react so strongly when we get information, right? All of us do. And I think that whatever whatever we can do, those of us with cancer, to find tools in our toolbox so that when we get some bad news or there's a setback or something happens, that we have something we can turn to internally to find our equilibrium. You know, it might be a little saying, my brother, for example, he writes, it's very cute. He writes little things on a piece of paper and he sticks them up all over the house, you know, just little reminders of things that kind of keep him calm and centered. I always thought that was so adorable. It is. And for a guy to do that. I know. Right. And so, you know, maybe it's that, maybe it's writing things down that like I used to do this. Matter of fact, I did this during one recurrence. People would say things that I found helpful, or I'd read things that I found helpful and I would just write them down. And then when I was upset, I would look at that notepad and read those things because I'm a verbal person and I read a lot. And so that's kind of a way that I can get calmed down, right? Is by reading things and being reminded and finding, so we all have to find that way to center ourselves. Maybe it's just taking a few deep breaths. Maybe it's going for a walk in the woods if you're able to. Uh, there's so, Just find whatever it is that in your life that can bring you back to center. 
because we're, we all get whipped about, you know, whether it's cancer or something else, right? So we all need those things. And, and a cancer diagnosis provides the, the opportunity, if you will, to really stop and focus on what those things are in each of our lives. Such good advice. And I was just thinking about someone I interviewed the other day. She was saying, you know, you could put your hand on your heart and just say, I'm safe, you know, or sweetheart, you are safe. And there's just something like, ah, you know, so calming and nurturing about that. Absolutely. That's a great one too. There's something about putting your hand on your heart that's, and just feeling your heartbeat, right? That's very, very calming. I think that's just a really important thing for all of us in these stressful times, but particularly for people with cancer. I have a lot of listeners who have finished treatments. Um, and I'm curious what you would say to them. They're maybe declared cancer free. I I hate, I don't want to say I hate that word. I mean, it's not because you don't, you know, yeah, you don't know, or you're maybe you're in remission. Right. What would you tell people? that they should continue to do. I mean, one, take your course <laughs> for sure. Yes. Go to anticancerlifestyle.org. And uh, yeah, our course we have, I mean, this is one reason we redid the website is because we used to just have the course, but now we have so many other assets and our approach is learn your way, right? That's, we even have a page titled that learn your way. Do, maybe you don't want to take the course. Maybe you want to just read an ebook. Maybe you want to read a blog. Maybe you want to listen to a webinar, right? We all have ways of taking in information. Um, but I would say just, you know, other than that, like really it's a lifelong process, right? Sort of learning how to live well. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Uh, so that's to, to engage in that process because that process, in addition to lowering your risk of chronic illness, including cancer, will make you feel better. You'll actually feel better physically and emotionally. Uh, so that's a really key reason to to engage in all of that. But the other thing I would say is is to to once one magic thing that happens when you're engaged in promoting your own well being, right? Whatever that means to you, is that it reduces that little fear button in your brain because you are someone who's taking control as best you can, right? You are someone who is now feeling empowered about your life. And there's nothing worse than that sense of hopelessness, of doing nothing, of waiting for the cancer to return, of feeling doomed, right? That hopelessness in and of itself is like a toxic chemical, right? So so really to focus on just, just improving and your well-being and feeling better. And I promise you, if you engage in that, you won't feel as much fear about the future. Mm, love that. And now, are you ready for random round? Oh, I think so. Yes. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is? I think, you know, freedom to me is sort of mental freedom. It's the sort of keep the flexibility of heart and mind. Uh, the ability to take on new perspectives as things change, because when you're when you're constricted like that and your world's closing in on you, you're not free. So that to me is really how I would define freedom. 
the last show you binged and loved? <laughs> All right. Well, this is a tough one. I loved Succession. It was so nasty. Uh, and of course, I loved Ted Lasso because it was so darn sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so you like nasty and sweet. Right. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> when you're feeling afraid, what do you do? You know, this is something I learned early on because I had so many things that caused caused fear. Um, and I would say my husband used to always say something to me that I've now internalized, which is, you know what? You don't have enough information. And that is such a good thing to remember because so often that deep fear happens when you don't have enough information about, you know, what what is going on in your body, what you should be doing about it. Like one of the worst times for a cancer survivor is when they've just gotten a diagnosis and they don't have a treatment plan. You know, they're kind of like at sea, right? Because they don't have the information. Once you have information, okay, this is what it is. This is what I need to do. There's a, there's a calm that comes with that. So I think in general in life, when I find myself, you know, freaking, I think, you know what, I need more information. If you could have a one hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? Well, that is such a no brainer for me. It would be William Shakespeare for sure, because we know so little about him and I'm dying to know what kind of person, what kind of human being it could have been to create such magnificent genius. Mm. So I'm a big Shakespeare fan. That's <laughs> <So>. really cool. <laughs> what is your favorite go-to snack? Uh, I have to say I am a total watermelon hound in the summer. And I grieve the end of summer mostly because it's the end of watermelon season. <laughs> <laughs> What's one simple thing that brings you joy? Um, well, now that I'm a grandmother, of course, holding my little grandbaby, I have to say that because it's true. But I would say that pretty much unfailingly working in my garden, I'm a big gardener. And the moment I get out there among those plants and I'm weeding and taking care of them and watering and pruning and to staking them up, I'm so happy out in my garden. Oh, I could so relate because I just started a community garden, well, two seasons ago and Oh, I just absolutely love it. Love it. Good for you. What is on your nightstand? Well, I read this great word. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sure I'm saying it incorrectly, but it's Japanese. It's called sundoku. And, and sundoku is sort of the art of letting things pile up by your bedside without reading them. So I am a master of that, the art of Sundoku. <laughs> so I have many things on my nightstand. I'm usually always reading a Shakespeare play. I got, um, that's, that's a, I read other things, but I got into um, reading Shakespeare during COVID. I just thought I saw Hamlet, you know, we're all stuck at home and everything. And I'm looking at my bookshelf and I see King Lear and I thought I never read King Lear. Well, that was the beginning of a, of an infatuation. So that's I think amazing. I'm on my 28th play now. Wow. <laughs> and they're not easy to understand. I remember taking well, that in high school. No, they're sure not. But if you slug through it, boy, are they worth it. They're so rewarding. So <laughs> what is your favorite form of exercise? Um, other than gardening, I love to hike. I just love being outdoors and hiking. It doesn't have to be hard, you know, trail or anything. I just love that being in nature. Mm, I'm so with you. 
What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? Well, I have to say my health, because without my good health, so many joys would not be possible. I can relate. (laughs) How can people find you and learn more? Well, as I, as I mentioned, our website is anticancerlifestyle.org. Anticancer lifestyle being one word, um, no hyphens or anything. And, uh, and if you want to reach me personally, uh, my email is pretty simple. It's meg at anticancerlifestyle.org. And I'd be happy to respond to anyone who reaches out. Well, Meg, thank you so, so much. I loved speaking with you today. And I know so many people are going to get so much value. So I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed speaking with you today. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.